There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience here from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Timothy Michael McKernan, producer Gangster Pete, alongside with you, your questions. And we just kind of talk it over, get to know each other. Uh, and I always enjoy uh, taking the questions. Don't know which way they're going, but like to answer them and just kind of have a discussion with the audience. I suppose this is the uh, holiday edition of QFTA. Uh, so I guess it could be the last one for 2018 if we don't do one during the holiday week next week. So finish with a bang. Uh, the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly is our studio sponsor and um, very grateful for his support uh, over the, I guess now we're on uh, finishing off a year and three months of the podcast. He's online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing, please make sure you do business with the best in the business. Ryan Kelly, he can save you money right now on a cash out refi. But if you're buying a home, he's the person to do business with, man, that stuff's good. It really is. I don't, whether it doesn't matter what part of the, the company you're talking about, uh, Ryan himself, um, to his mortgage lenders, to his marketing team, to the people who are just there grinding, building that business across the board in so many different ways, just really good people always enjoy seeing them. Uh, it's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsor. So how this works, for those of you who just might have subscribed to the podcast because you wanted to hear the Gabe DeArmond interview, it's a two-parter, and that is now up uh, for your listening enjoyment um, as we talk Missouri, recent Missouri athletics. A lot of Quinn Snyder in there um, from me and Gabe giving perspective on that. As people send in uh, via email or on the TMA fan page on Facebook questions, and, then, uh, and they can be about anything. And I will attempt... To answer them, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, or you can post on the TMA fan page regarding questions. Let's start on the fan page today. Brendan Sawyer asks, favorite book or books you've read that has helped with running a business and or personal development? That's a great question. I like that question. I like kind of the entrepreneurial themed questions that will pop up here and there. Um... I would say that the thing that has helped me the most is the process, which like five years ago was like, oh, what do they mean by the process? And now it's like, you know, whether it be Embiid or whether it be an Instagram model, everybody's hashtagging trust the process and it's become cliche. Uh, Nick Saban with the process. But the process is, is what I mean by this not focusing on the results to determine if what you did was right, which when I first started playing poker was not the way that you would think. But after playing it, and even though I look back on the time that I played poker as much as I did um, and going, I cannot believe I spent that much time on my laptop. And I'm sure my married friends with kids were going, what in the world is he doing? Cause now I'm like, I couldn't even play in a tournament online if I, I mean, I guess I could, but holy shit, I mean, those things would sometimes be 14 hours uh, and certainly sitting and playing in Las Vegas in the World Series and how those start at noon, Las Vegas time, and you get out of the Rio like at one if you survive. I mean, you know, that's a that's a whole thing. And certainly if I have vacation time, I'm not sure that's the way I would really want to spend it anymore, partly because I've been able to do it now um, and I know what the deal is with it. I guess if you haven't done it, it might seem cool, but I don't really know how cool it is, honestly. It's just not the funnest way. But hey, if you love the game of poker, God bless. But the reason I bring it up is I recall reading a book uh, written by a poker pro by the name of Gus Hansen, and I don't know what he's doing now. There's always rumors about these guys going bust. I have no idea. Who knows what the truth is? And somebody can email me and say, yeah, I heard he did this. I, you probably don't know either. So I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not, that's not the point. The point is he wrote a book called Every Hand Revealed. And I remember reading it, I'd say about nearly nine years ago. Um, and he went through the notes he would record into a voice recorder after hands that he was involved in and hands that he wasn't involved in where he got information. 
And then he would use that information to dictate how he would play a hand. And oftentimes he would play a hand against the person and not the cards, which is kind of a cliche that sometimes people throw around. Even if they don't really know how to play the game, it can make you sound like you know how to play the game. Um, but then you can put people on certain ranges of hands and then act accordingly. And I recall reading that book, and the next day when I was playing an online tournament after I finished it, I won the tournament. Um, uh, just, you know, it was, it was a weird, it puts you in the right mindset. But the process from that book that I remember standing out to me was if he made what he felt like was the right move and he lost the hand, he focused more on the former than the latter. And it's really kind of an unlearning. But my tie into either starting up a business or operating a business is sometimes you do the right thing, but it doesn't work out. And if you're acting honorably and truly, it does get down to do the right thing. Do what you believe is the right thing, whether that be the right thing for the business or the right thing with an employee, even if it might be the, you know, certainly the, uh, the opposite of the path of least resistance. Um, that's, that's all you can do. And, it's, and certainly nobody's going to go, well, I did it perfectly. You know, a lot of times you're thinking you're doing the right thing and then you go, yep, I, that was that was a mistake. But, you know, that's that's so much of it, because otherwise you can spend so much time beating yourself up over things. Um, and so anytime I because it still can happen now um, where I'll go, yeah, God, but I'll go, yeah, but I you know what? At this particular moment, this is what this was. The, this was the information I had. Uh, and that's why I did what I did. The awkward thing and the thing that always, because my, my dad will always say, boy, Timmy, I, you know, I know what it was like. I worked in media as well. And I go, yeah. And I said, I agree with that. And I'm not trying, it, it's not intended to be a, yeah, but I did this because it's not, but it, but it is a very important difference for, I would imagine 99% of the people who are starting up a business, your moves or those people's moves, I should say. Um, and it might fall under your possession, are not usually scrutinized and oftentimes inaccurately in the public eye. And that's something that is, um, it's just not something that I personally enjoy. Now, other people like it. And I've had people go, man, it is great, all the, all the, the publicity that you get and, and people, you know, writing about you. And I go, I hate it. I would prefer not, and it's not like a, you know, let me act like I don't like it, but I really like it. I legitimately do not like it. When I worked with uh, Bert Kaufman, who owns 920, um, and uh, he just said, he goes, I, he goes I, just, I just had a policy. I never call back reporters. I just never call back reporters. Just never getting it. Because first off, they're probably not going to get it right. Secondly, there's things I just can't say anyway. And then that puts me in an awkward position because I have to issue a no comment, which then looks bad. He goes, that's just how I operated. But again, the difference there, because it's not apples to apples, is Bert, while I hold him in a great deal of respect, um, he's a good man, honest businessman, uh, is, is he wasn't also an on-air personality. So I was in the weird spot of being an on-air personality and, and then also having to, you know, be, I guess, the boss uh, to guys who, you know, I, in some cases, grew up watching or listening to, uh, or at the very least, my peers. And so that was a weird spot. And, you know, when I think about operating a small business, there's not going to be a, a book on that specific part of it. But you can focus on the process. And even if it does not work out, if you're doing what you think is right, and you've and the thing that I certainly do now is I have a number of people, not a number of, but some people I bounce things off of before I act. Um and get their feedback, people I trust and respect. And so I think, I think that's something that I can say to anybody. Uh, it's so important to have that. It's so important to have that, that I, that's something that actually I can say that I would say I learned with experience. And then perhaps it strikes somebody is very obvious. And, and I guess that the, the key is, is you, I think we know, I don't know. I feel like I know if you really really, really trust somebody. So like 
to draw a parallel to it for people who listen to the Ryan Kelly Morning After, producer Joe, who was the producer of the show for nearly 10 years, would act like a lunatic oftentimes behind the glass about we're not throwing to break on time or just bitching about something and pissing and moaning. But there was never, ever a doubt among whether it be me, Martin and the cat or me, Doug and the cat, uh, that Joe was, you know, it was rock solid and he wasn't poison in the well, you know, might behave like a dipshit at times. But I mean, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't any source of why, uh, you know, his lack of ability to be trusted had nothing to do with it. We knew he was rock solid. So that's an important thing to have. Not to say that nothing against producer Joe, he's just not like one of the people I, I, you know, use as, as a sounding board or an advisor now. Uh, but he's certainly still somebody that I'm in touch with and I like and respect and the people who worked on the show like and respect and know is a rock solid person. Um, but with, with regard to uh, if you're starting a business to have that person and I'm, and I'm telling you the reason why I emphasized somebody really, 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 really can trust is it might be easy to find somebody who you're bouncing things off of, but you know, at least I think I might be supposing too much here you know, and you'll, you'll have in the back of your mind. Yeah. I know that I just deep down, I really, I want to trust this person, but I know that I can't. And so therefore you got to pump the brakes at that point. But if you can find just one, and if you can find a couple that you can bounce things off of, I'm telling you, it's absolutely invaluable. And I, and I can't speak for everybody else. I, I, I can say this, and I know I've said it on the radio before, might've said it on the podcast before, Frank Cusimano, who, um, you know, now follows us on 590. I guess he has been for a long time, whether it be on 920 or 590. Um, back when I was looking for my first television job in the late 1990s, Frank would call these television stations and these news directors on my behalf. And, and what that would do is, is, you know, these news directors at that time, they were getting VHS tapes hundreds of them just for one job that probably paid like, who knows, like a, like a median of $18,000 a year in one of these small television markets. Um, but yet everybody wanted them because there's only so many jobs. And then what that did was if a guy from the NBC affiliate in the 21st market in the country was calling to rave about somebody, it at least made the news director look at my tape. And I've always remembered that I'll Joe Buck did the same thing with me. Alan Cohen, my former general manager at KMOV did the same thing. And so I'm not doing it because those guys did it for me, but I'm doing it just because I think it's the right thing. And I do remember, and I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting, but certainly Frank stands out, Joe Buck stands out, and Alan Cohen stand out. Uh, and I realize Alan Cohen isn't a recognizable name, but he was the general manager at KMOV for, God, I think like 30-something years. Um, so anyway... Uh, the, the, the reason I say that is if somebody has questions regarding starting a business and it, listen, it's not like I'm, you know, I figured it all out, but I, but I know what it's like, you know, and there's certain things now that I'm like, when I'm talking with other people about starting up a, a business, it's like, oh yeah, okay, now you got to do this with, you know, this, and then they're just kind of, the, the, now they're, they're second nature obvious. But when I was doing it, I didn't know what the hell an operating agreement was. You know, I didn't I'm like, well, EIN, what the hell's, you know, I need to do this. I need to get that. Okay. We need to do that. Okay. And now it's, again, you know, unless this isn't like some MBA course here by any means at all. If anything, it's, it's like, you know, starting a business for dummies, but I've now done it a few times. And so there are basics that I, that I know people who didn't do it don't know because I was there. And so I'm more than happy to pass along my, what I've experienced and, and, and ask, answer questions for people because people did it for me, not, not necessarily starting up a business, but when I started up a business, I didn't know I was starting up a business. I thought I was creating a hobby. Um, so, so my point is if you have questions and again, let the buyer be beware, it's not like I am the wizard of business, but I'm happy to answer them. I love, I love the entrepreneurial spirit. And the other thing about it is this, you got to take your shot and sometimes you're not going to score, but at least you took your shot and you can, you can manage the risk. You know, you don't, you don't have to like, now maybe you do, it depends on what business you're looking to launch, but, um, you know, you don't have to like, okay, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to do this. Now, if you have to do it, you have to do it. But I'm telling you, here's a podcast recommendation. 
Uh, and I think I said this maybe, Pete, uh, last week about startup. Did I say that last week? Because I felt like you said, oh, I love those kinds of things. It's called the Startup Podcast. That's so, it's so, if you've started a business or if you're considering starting one, I love it. I used to listen to it while I was working out. And now I'm at a point where I want to pay attention to it so closely that I don't want to listen to it while I'm working out because then I can't pay attention as closely as I want. And it's so good. And I don't know. I mean, I guess he had everybody participating and it just, you know, I mean, obviously they know they're being recorded, but sign an NDA um, because he records the whole process ranging from something as simple as naming the cup. Like when McLaughlin and I started our thing, which we started in October of 2018. So fucking two months old. Uh, and in September, it wasn't even on our radar. So it's all, that's happened very quickly. Um, it's like, well, what do you want to call the company? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of thought since we're both on the South side, I was thinking about a South side centric thing, just paying homage, homage to our neighborhood. Um, I'm like, you know, let's just call it, you know, whatever it, 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 it doesn't need to be, but, but it's just, it's also not how the thing is marketed. You know, now if you're starting a business with how it's marketed, then you do have to pay more attention to the name and then how people raise capital. And that process, but that, of course, before that, then you got to get your valuation. And then some people are starting up a business on their own that, you know, you need a couple grand and, you know, let's see what happens. You know, the startup podcast is about, I think they were trying to raise a million and a half and it was based on a $10 million valuation, which oftentimes is just arbitrary. Either way, find it fascinating as hell. Plus it ties into starting a podcast. Um, so, you know, I love the conversation. I do that. I mean, I just get together with people at a place and just bullshit with them about it. And, never, and, never, and, and I learn just as much, if not more, from people because um, I find it fascinating. And I think essentially it is the American dream. I hesitate to use that because I feel like now that, that, that phrase can be hijacked by people who might not really truly have the interests of what is considered the American dream at heart, but rather to patronize people for votes. But uh, to have your own thing and to have a shot. You know, to get a seat in the World Series of Poker and have a shot at winning the million. Even if your shot is one in a million, at least you got the shot. But it takes a great deal of courage to take the shot. So even if you don't succeed with the shot, I have a great deal of respect for anybody who takes the shot. Not to say I don't respect you if you don't. But um, I may have told this story before. I may have not. It, uh, I don't know. Skip ahead. But I was out in uh, Palm Springs with Joe Buck, name-dropping festival. Send in your hate tweets about it because I'm name-dropping. But it's, it's, it's part of the story. So get a good taste. But it's part of the story. And he had to, and I had no idea. I thought we were flying directly to, I knew we had to stop in Palm Springs, but we were going to Los Angeles because this is when Joe Buck and I were talking about doing a podcast. This is 2012, I believe. And he was emceeing an event for a PGA player. And my wife and I were with him and we're just like, oh, we'll stay back at the, at the hotel. Um, you know, whatever. We're, we're fine. We don't give a shit. We're, we're fine. We'll get something to eat and get in a burger. Happy with that when you're in Southern California. I don't know if there's one in Palm Springs, but I have to think there is. And we'll be good. And he's like, now come along. And I just, so I'm wearing my green cardinal hat. Anna Marie doesn't get dressed up. And I'm just like, whatever, you know. And we show up, and I knew it was for Ben Crane, who's kind of been recently a borderline player and, like, borderline tour player. But, you know, I mean, it did. I wasn't into golf at the time, so I wasn't even really thinking anything of it. And then I walk in, and I'm like, okay, this is like, you know, I remember seeing John Elway, Mary Hart, Tony Robbins. I'm sitting at a table with Joe Buck, Pat Perez, Stuart Sink. And then Glenn Fry gets up there, may he rest in peace, uh, and starts performing a private concert for like 200 people. And I'm like, what in the fuck is this? And then we get in a van, like a van, like a van van. And it's a Sunday night in Palm Springs. And somebody who owns part of a professional sports franchise, I guess I shouldn't name the person. I, I didn't know who he was. I think he's a minority shareholder of a professional sports franchise. I recall the franchise, but just so I'm not naming people uh, who might not want to be included. Um, from the business community. And then I, re I do recall the golfer, Tommy Armour, uh, gets in the van along with Joe and another guy I didn't recognize. And we're going to this bar in Palm Springs, not the buggy whip, which we oftentimes make reference to from Ray Donovan on TMA, but another bar. And we're just standing there. It's a Sunday night and it's just all of us hanging out like kind of a hole in the wall kind of bar. And we're just BSing. And this guy, you know, we're just, like I said, it was BSing. And, uh, and this one guy kind of could tell they were kind of like looking my wife up, up and down. And, 
you know, I, I listen, I realize whatever Anna Marie attractive or whatever the case might be. The thing that stands out for her is that I'm so unattractive. So standing next to her, I think people are like, oh, this can't be a real thing, you know? Um, and so I can tell that's going on and they kind of make small talk, but I'm like, I know they don't want me there. I get the program. I'm just assuming everybody here has some kind of, you know, at least ballpark fuck you money. So, you know, I'm the hoodlum from the South side and they have no idea and whatever. But then we wind up, we wind up having an enjoyable conversation and, you know, we just start BSing. And, and I said to this guy, I said, oh, you married? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, cool. I said, you guys live around here now? Actually, we live, uh, in LA and he goes, I play, you know, and then we started talking about golf, I guess he's, yeah, I'm a member at Bel Air country club. I'm like, Oh, that's probably lovely. And, uh, I didn't, it was friendly and I don't know how it came up. And he goes, well, did you ever watch full house? And I go, sure. And he goes, well, you remember uncle Jesse's girlfriend. And I'm like, of course he goes, well, that's my wife. And I'm like, Lori Laughlin is your wife. It's like the scene from the social network where the girl realizes that she just slept with Sean Parker, um, played by Justin Timberlake. And I'm like, I've been talking to this guy the whole time. And I said, so well, that's, you know, super cool. And yet he's just telling me about the challenges of raising, you know, his kids and all of that stuff. And it's just all time. I said, so what do you do? And he goes, well, I grew up in New York or whatever. I started this thing in New York. And he goes, I just started hanging clothes on a rack outside my place. I guess he was in the garment district. I don't recall the specifics. And he goes, it kind of took off. And then, you know, and then I wound up, you know, and then it wound up blowing up. And I said, really? I said, would I recognize your name? He goes, yeah, my name is Mossimo. And I'm like, it's the Mo it's Mossimo from Mossimo. Now I realize some of you are like, I have no idea what Mossimo is, but you know, it was, it, I, he had his design. I don't know. I don't know what's going on now. You know what? While I'm sitting here, I might as well type in Mossimo. Uh, Gangster Peter, are you familiar with Mossimo? The fashion company? That's right. That's right. Yes. I'm aware of it. Mid-range American clothing company founded in 1986 by Massimo Giannulli. So that's who I was talking to. And I believe he sold it to Iconics Brand Group. But he founded it in 1986. So, so then we talk about his story. And so here's a guy that, you know, it turned into what it turned into. But it started on a clothes rack on a street in Manhattan. And so I love that shit. I love that shit. You know, I, I absolutely, I, not only do I love the fact that it can happen and that it has happened, but I love, I love hearing people's stories. Even if it doesn't wind up being successful, everybody's got a story and everybody experiences similar trials and tribulations. Um, so you know, when it comes down to it, that would be what I say to people. It's going to be a grind. I remember when I was first doing it, and I remember a couple people saying, well, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it, that's another cliche, but it's the truth. But, um, you know, there, there, there is a lot to be said for hard work, but, but make sure you're moving the football. You know, make sure you're moving the football. If you're like, yeah, I've been working my ass off. Well, how are sales or how are, what's your revenue look like? Well, I mean, we're down or we're flat, you know, after a year, it's like, okay, well then maybe it isn't going to happen. You know, sometimes the best hands you play are the ones where you lay down the cards and don't lose a lot of your stack. So that also has to be factored in. But, you know, like I said, if you're reading a book for the purpose of starting a small business, I realize Gus Hansen's every hand revealed is is not what you would think of. But when you think of the process of trying to make the right decisions and then understanding that even if it does not work out, it doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. That is what I try to focus on. And I realize that it's counterintuitive. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. It's not, and, and, and it also, it's one of the things that for people don't think that way. They go, oh, you just think you're the smartest guy in the room. And I don't, you know, at all at all. If anything, the reason why I seek advice so much is because I know I'm not. So, um, I don't know that that's, that that's the one I would make sure that you at least get one person who you can bounce things off of in a time of need or just before you make a decision. It's so helpful. I cannot tell you how helpful it is. It's so, it's so, it gives you peace of mind also. It really does. And make sure 
Here's another little thing I'll add to this. If you do start getting it going and now you have some people working for you, there's a scene in The Sopranos where Tony Soprano realizes that everybody's just laughing at him because he's the boss, at his jokes because he's the boss. And it becomes a moment of great self-awareness that he's not that funny. They're laughing at him because they feel like they got to because he's the boss. And the reason I tell that story is I want people who will not be disrespectful. I don't want people to be disrespectful to anybody, period. But I want people to feel comfortable dissenting. I never want to be involved in a business where it's a dictatorship, whether I'm involved in it by operating it or just associated with it. It's not, it's not, it's not for me. It's not for me. Uh, I want people to be comfortable, again, doing so with the fine hand, and by that meaning handling it properly, but going, you know, I understand what you guys are saying here, and I realize I might be the only person who thinks this, but, but have you thought about this and what it might do? You know, and I think that when you're in a conference room or you're just having lunch, that everybody can feel comfortable saying that and not go, fuck, I might get fired if I dissent. I think that's important to have. In other words, you don't want to survive, surround yourself with yes men and yes women who are just going to laugh at your jokes just because you're the boss, so to speak. So there's another pro tip. I realize it might not be helpful. It's certainly not telling you how to, you know, who to go to and what to put in an operating agreement and should you be taxed a partnership or whatever. I, that stuff... You know, there are people you can talk to who can guide you on that. Hell, you can find that online. But as far as actual experience from doing it, uh, those would be things that when I think about it, those would be things that stand out to me. And again, I fucked up. I don't I could probably rattle off a hundred things. Um, but as long as you're not acting nefariously, maliciously, you're trying to do the right thing. Inevitably, you're going to fail. You're going to have bad days. But I think also people appreciate and respect somebody who will go, you know what, I realize I'm the one who's in charge here, but I fucked up. I think people like that. At the same time, I've heard some people say, never say you're wrong. I've heard Howard Stern say that, and I fucking worship at his altar. You know, and I realize that's radio. That's not necessarily uh, operating a business. And so part of it's the show to never show weakness. But, um, you know. That, to do with it what you want. I hope that was helpful. I don't know. At the very least, you heard about me meeting Lori Laughlin's husband. All right. Uh, Mark Hanna is a wonderful sponsor of this business. Uh, you talk about somebody you want to talk to for advice. There's somebody. That's Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, let me pull you aside here. Can I pull you aside? Good. Thank you. Let's just me and you talk about this. I want to make sure that people know why I get really worked up when I talk about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies because I messed up. And I didn't manage my money like I should have when I was in my 20s. And it's cringe-inducing when I talk about it. This is my most transparent moment of every podcast when I start going into the Mark Hanna discussion because I want to keep people from making the same mistake I made. And it's not, a, and I think I, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why I made the mistake is I wasn't, first off, you're under the impression that you'll never retire and your, your 60s are, are 300 years away, uh, you know, just a few centuries away. But also because I'm thinking, oh, well, they want me to take money and then set it aside. And I don't want to do that. I want to spend it. Now, I know that sounds like, you know, ridiculous, but that's where I was. And, and in reality, just setting aside a small amount. I mean, I'm talking about a small amount. And then having an idea of the plan. Once I have a plan, I'm good. Oftentimes, I have a difficult time getting to the plan. But if I can get the plan... I like to think that we can execute the plan. So when it comes, I've said before, when it comes to working out, now I have a plan. So I go in there, I know what I need to do. When it comes to eating, I'm like, okay, I need to eat this many calories and this many protein, this many grams of protein, this many grams of carbohydrates, this many grams of fat. I know what I need to do. Now, if I choose to go, you know what, today's a White Castle day and that's just the way it's going to be. My fitness pal will scold me when I enter in the information, but so be it. I'm having a craving. I need, I need, to, I need to tend to this. Fine. And that can be the same way with your financial, but at least you have a plan. I mean, I flew blind and that's really irresponsible. And I guess I can say I came out of it on the other end and I'm fine. But in reality, I still left a lot of money on the table. And so it's like, oh, I don't want to bet on this game because then I'll be, then I'll owe the guy 25 bucks and I just don't want to have to give him any money, even if it's only 25 bucks. So then I'll manage my bankroll like a little nitwit and I'll worry about that. But never mind the fact that I messed around with my money for however many years and didn't take care of that. It's just, it's just messed up. 
And that's why somebody like Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is somebody that I recommend so wholeheartedly. Because if, if I could go back into my 20s, that's the thing. I would, I, would, I would do that in a heartbeat. Make sure I had somebody. He's online at evergreenstl.com. His phone number is 314-889-0503. And the thing about Mark is that it, when you meet with him, I know you're going to really like him. I know you're going to really respect him and you're going to be happy you did. Just give him a call and he can give you the plan. That's the way I would say it. And I just, I'm so sure, I'm so sure of it. 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Go online at evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Let's see what we have next on questions from the audience. All right. Going to the fan page again. Did you enjoy Christmas shopping for the kid this year? Um, here is where I am. I think Doug was saying this actually this morning, the Ryan Kelly morning after. My wife is an incredible gift giver. And I admire that trait because even on years where we say, you know, let's just not worry about it. Let's not, you know, let's just not worry about it. Uh, like a year, for example, since I've already talked about it publicly, might as well talk about it again, where we did IVF. Uh, you know, that's, for those of you who've done it, that's an expensive procedure, both financially and certainly emotionally. So just like, yeah, we don't have to do it. And we, at this point, we've been together for a decade, you know. So last year, but, but even when we have years like that, she'll still find something and it might only be like, it might, it might cost nothing, but it'll be the perfect gift. And I'm just so jealous of her ability to do that. Cause I can't, cause for me, I'm like, I can't think of that thing. So I default to, oh, I guess I'll just go spend a bunch of money to make up for the fact that this will not be creative or endearing, even though I know my intent is to be, it's a great trait to have. It really is. I don't think people who have it realize that they have it, but it's, my wife certainly has it. Um, so, you know, just another reason why I love her. But with regard to last year, I did hit a home run last year. First time ever. Uh, the great Nick Yale involved with this program, uh, produced it actually. And, um, I might start weeping when I talk about it. So I got to be careful here. It's like a Dick Vermeil press conference. But, um, you know, I mean, for all that we had been through in trying to have a baby and then we have the baby, um, just put together, uh, Nick edited it together because I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground, which is incredibly irresponsible because I know I could do it, but I just have not taken the time to learn. So F me, there's another way to not, there's a tip to not run a business. Uh, he edited it together and it just, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was just, it was, I'm, I love, I loved giving that to not only Anna Marie uh, but to, to my parents and to her parents, and I know it meant the world to them. So then you try, then you, then you're in a spot where the bar has been set high and I'm just like, I can't, I can't just like go video every, I mean, I guess I can, and she would probably still love it, but I don't know. So the answer is, you know, and then what, and then for Jameson, even though at this point at 15 months old, uh, it's not like he is, uh, reading. Um, but you know, I just, I wrote because I wanted to always have it. And I do enjoy writing quite a bit. I wrote the story of the 24 hours leading up to his birth. So I'll always have that, you know, and he, he might glance at it one time, but uh, it will always be there. And I gave that to my parents and I gave that to her parents and I gave that to, to her, of course, and to Jameson. Um, and so that's always there. And these are things that and then I went back and read it just a few months later and I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. What about that? Oh, yeah. We got really nervous at the end because there was some, there were some issues. Um and, and had I not written it down within a week of him being born, I would have forgotten all those things. So there's another little pro tip. But uh, my, my point is, is Anna Marie does the shopping, but I would love to find something. Like there's a picture. It is my favorite pic. I, it's sitting on my nightstand. Um, and I don't know. I think my little sister got the picture, but we were at Bell Reeve for the PGA championship and it was one of the practice rounds and we took Jameson out there. And all I wanted to do, which is, again, kind of moronic, but I'm sure some of you probably did the same thing, uh, was let him see Tiger Woods, even though he would have absolutely no clue who he is. But, you know, should he be interested in golf in 20 years uh, or even 40 or 60 years, 
he can say when people talk about Tiger Woods, I saw Tiger Woods play, even though he, of course, didn't know what the hell was going on. And I wanted to do the same thing when we were down in, you know, uh, at spring training and the Honda Classic is going on there in Palm Beach Gardens. Uh, but he was only five or six months old at that time and didn't want to risk it with him start screaming or something like that because Tiger did play in that event and actually was also just like the PGA Championship was in the mix on Sunday. He was more in the mix here in St. Louis. Uh, so this is Wednesday, the practice round, and my sister gets a picture of me holding Jameson with me pointing at Tiger and then in, in, in between my head and Jameson's head is Tiger Woods walking right in the middle. It's just a perfect picture. Now, Tiger is off in the distance, so if you didn't know it was Tiger Woods, you wouldn't you know, you wouldn't be able to go, oh, there's Tiger Woods. But I know that it was him, and it was him, and it's me pointing to my son, which is, you know, something that I think parents sometimes have anyway, and they could just be pointing at a ball. But in this case, I'm pointing at Tiger Woods, and I love that picture. So part of me thinks of doing something like that, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess I'll take gift tips if you want to give them, because I just, I don't know. I, it's For me, it's so, it, which is just part of my personality. Like, it's got to be perfect. When I start working out, I got to work out every fucking day. You know, it's nuts. It's not healthy. It's not an enjoyable way to live. I guess it gets shit done, but, you know, your mind's constantly going and then it's got to be perfect. And then you just, you know, and inevitably it's not. So then you're disappointed in yourself. It's a whole thing. I hope, I hope everyone listening to this doesn't know what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, I'm sure a handful of you do. So anyway, since I hit a home run last year, I'm like, I got, it. I don't have anything this year. Now I don't know what to do. And so Anna Marie and I just said, yeah, this year, you know, let's not worry about it anyway. But part of me is just like, oh my God, what do I got? So I'm just mumbling to myself at this point. But to answer your question, did I enjoy it? Uh, I can't wait for Christmas. That's another thing. And I did, I don't think I realized it, but for so many um, years, I mean, going back to my 20s, I did not like Christmas. It has nothing to do with my agnostic standpoint because I don't get worked up about that. I don't go, oh my God, there's a manger with a, you know, white Joseph and white Mary with a white blonde haired baby Jesus sitting in the manger. We must remove this. I don't worry about that stuff. You know, fine. That that's not that was not my issue with Christmas, and I don't really know what it was. But I think now I think I actually do know what it was, and it's what we, I didn't have a child, and I didn't necessarily know that it bothered me, and I don't know if it necessarily bothered me, but I think for the first, I don't know how many years of your life you love it, and that's mainly because you're getting gifts, and then you see your parents to an extent love it. Obviously, it comes with some chaos that I still have yet to endure from the parental side. I know that's coming. Um, should be coming, but you look at, you can't wait because you're getting things. Now I can't wait because when, and I don't think it'll be this year, he won't know what the hell is going on, but next year he will. And I can't wait for that. And I didn't have that. And I didn't realize that that was a void. So, um, I'm legitimately looking forward to Christmas and however one interprets Christmas, God bless. I just, you know, for me, I don't worry about that. You know, if people believe it literally, as in the stories and the Gospels and the New Testament, then then wonderful. Great. If they don't, great. Um, but for me, when I think of it, for me, uh, I certainly think it would be incredibly cool if all of that were true. It'd be great, actually. Um, and who knows? Uh, but for me, it's about being together with my family, being together with my wife's family, being together with my wife and my son, you know, and I and that's... So whatever it is that we're celebrating, I mean, theoretically, what the hell are we celebrating on Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving. So it doesn't have to be, you know, I like to get together with the family on Easter. But, you know, whether I'm into the, the story or believe in the story, whatever, still I'm happy to be with family. So, uh, yes, I am looking forward to Christmas quite a bit. And this, this gets into a question from the Barnhart Brawler, making a rare cameo. Um, and I like this question. I legitimately like this question. It might get it might get the podcast banty, which is not the intent. Uh, thoughts on Happy Holidays versus Merry Christmas? Is it as simple as say whatever you want and fuck someone else if they are a snowflake and get offended? This is when I talk about the fine hand. This would be an example of not using the fine hand. Or does some level of decency motivate you to try and be respectful if someone doesn't celebrate Christmas 
and not make the insinuation that they are out of the norm and potentially make them feel bad for that. Or just try your best, and if someone says either one in an effort to passive-aggressively piss off the other one, then yo, fuck that guy. <laughs> There's our holiday question here on questions from the audience. Uh, so, so in this case, I actually would fall into, as just addressed, uh, somebody who would not be considered, um, I don't know, what, whatever, you know, uh, celebrating Christmas because I believe in the story. But if somebody does believe the story, as I would imagine almost everybody at each Christmas celebration I will be at believes in the story, then fine. You know, it, it, and it, 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 for me, I just, I don't, I just don't, you, you pick your battles for me. And so if someone says Merry Christmas to me, I say Merry Christmas to them. I don't go, well, you know, I appreciate it. However, I was raised Catholic, and then I went to St. Louis University High School and was taught by Jesuits, and by the time I left St. Louis University High School, I was pretty unsure that there was actually a God. And so while I understand you'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, for me, I don't believe that story, and I would rather you just say season's greetings or happy holidays to me. I, that's not where I am. And I'm not saying that's where the Barnhart Brawler is. I don't know where the Barnhart Brawler is. It's not my place to speculate where the Barnhart Brawler is. I know where I am, and I'll say Merry Christmas. If, if, if somebody who is Jewish says Happy Hanukkah, I mean, when Dotem sent me the Andy Dick video, that was a Hanukkah gift. Now, as an Irish Catholic from South St. Louis, I wasn't exposed to a lot of Hanukkah gifts. However, I loved the Hanukkah gift, and I wish Dotem a Happy Hanukkah himself. So it just, you know, I don't know, man. I, I guess this doesn't necessarily answer the question, but it's like, why did I stop following CNN and Fox News and take your pick of people who would like tweet political shit and certainly the Facebook stuff's even at another level? Uh, it's because it just, it brought negativity into my life. And, you know, again, I feel like it's a theme of every questions from the audience is mortality but it's like, you know, I don't know how many good years I have left. I don't even know if I have a year left. But I don't really want to spend those for me. And I'm not saying it's wrong for somebody to fight the good fight, you know. But for me, looking for things to be pissed off about or reading, like I used to, I don't know why. I would follow Fox News on Instagram and I'd be like, God, I know exactly what they're doing. I get it. I, you know, I see what they're doing. And now I see it with CNN. And now I'm just like, it's just. It just, it just makes me just, you know, I don't know what the right way, it, it, it disappoints me, I suppose, would actually be the word, although I know that they're, they're businesses and they're looking for a profit and that's the way that they're going to, you know, grow their, their revenues by, you know, feeding into the bubble. But, oh, it's just so transparent. And I think it's transparent. You don't think you have to go into journalism school to see what they're doing, like with how they play stories or words that are included in stories and certain words that are used for the stories because they know it's going to work for their audience. And it, it, it truly is, it truly is with both. Now, someone would say you can't compare the two. Fox News is more egregious. I, I don't know. I, I, at this point, actually, I don't know. I used to, I legitimately used to think that the truth is now I'm just out on it. You know, I really am. And I hate that. But I, I talk about what I feel like I can be involved in. And that is the process in St. Louis in some capacity. And I don't know what I'm reading is real or not necessarily reading so, so much. Uh, although there's certain sources that you kind of go, oh, God. Um, but but broadcasting, television broadcasting, television news. Um, just like, I mean, because I know I, here's here's the thing. I was asked about whether or not I say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And now we're somehow talking about cable news. So this is just you know, cut up your riddle and join me. But, but, it, but it's this, I know how you get jobs in television news. I got that jobs in television news. I know what the whole uh, process of getting jobs in television news is like. And part of getting a job in television news is your appearance. It's just reality. It's just reality. I, I realize it sounds harsh and it's an odd thing to act like that isn't part of it, but it's absolutely part of it. It's just, it's just part of it. Now, I'm not saying that it's right that it's part of it, but I'm telling you that it's part of it. And I would imagine most of you are like, of course it's a part of it. Or yeah, I guess now that I'm thinking about who's on television, especially at the high level places, they either are attractive or they're at the very least not unattractive. 
And that's part of the game. But just because someone, male or female, does not matter, is either attractive and therefore just had a a nice win in the DNA lottery, does not then make them educated on issues. And so therefore, it's a very dangerous time when people who had a great agent who then got them a job on one of these television news networks are propped up not to simply read what's in the prompter or throw to or the reporter in the field, but to then start opining and like in a condescending, dismissive manner of take your pick, like the way that Fox News used to shit on President Obama. And now I, I'll flip on occasionally CNN and it just these two stand out to me um, more so than anybody else. But it also probably is the time in which I'm flipping it on uh, Brooke Baldwin has nothing to do with the Clay Travis boobs thing. Uh, but just kind of like, just like make these little cutesy snide comments about the White House and the administration. And, and this is coming from somebody who did not vote for President Trump. But I still see it. And I'm still just like, this is just not the way to... And then Don Lemon. I mean, I, I there can be the biggest breaking news story in the world. And if he's on the desk, I'm out. You know, I just... It, you know, I don't know. So why do I bring all of that up? Because I feel like when it gets down to it, it's people dividing for the purpose of profit. And so while me saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays is certainly not going to have any impact on anyone's bottom line, it, it, if I do fight it, it's just negative energy. For me, from my standpoint, it is. It can be divisive, which is now somehow pronounced divisive. But I just, it, it just doesn't matter to me. If, if, if somebody came up to me and said, Happy Hanukkah, I would say Happy Hanukkah. I guess it could be high risk because I don't know when the hell Hanukkah is. But, you know, it's, it, I'm just, okay, there's a pleasantry. It just doesn't, it just, it's, it, it, to me, it doesn't mean anything. However, I can see a side of the argument where, you know, when you do just introduce these things as the norm, that they're, that it can be setting a bar that might not necessarily be quote unquote right. But when it gets down to it, I don't know how much real wrong is caused by it. Because when somebody is able to think for themselves, and I realize oftentimes that might not happen, and I certainly was lucky enough to be able to go to, you know, both a good high school and to college, and I realize not everybody gets that. Uh, and I certainly have more awareness on that now than when I was doing it. I'm just like, well, of course everybody goes to college. I'm just like, oh, fuck you. What an asshole. You know, but you didn't know. Uh, that they can think for themselves. But I mean, a lot of times, how often do you see somebody who is 15, 14 or 15, and they have different politics than their parents? It's just, the, it's the way that it works. And so you just kind of get the religion that you get. You're born into it. Um, but then there comes a point where people go, yeah, it's either for me or I don't really like it. Or I do like where I kind of am actually. I mean, the teachings, the actual teachings are beautiful from my standpoint, words to live by. It's the hijacking of certain, you know, portions of the Bible to justify some kind of, you know, castigating certain people aside that I'm just like, wow. That certainly seems to me to go against the teaching, but, you know, you're going to tell me how you're a good Christian, so I guess that makes me a bad heathen, so you're the winner. Um, and I'm out on that shit, man. I'm out on that. But if that person who I would therefore consider to be a fraud, uh, a modern day Philistine comes up and says, Merry Christmas, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, well, happy holidays. I'm just gonna say Merry Christmas. But I also realize there are plenty of people who feel the need to fight the fight. I pick my battles and I certainly will battle, but that's not one that I am uh, interest in fighting, but I loved the question, Barnard Brawler, although you probably, uh, hated my answer. All right. That's going to do it for questions from the audience. I think what a wonderful way to end the Christmas edition of questions from the audience, or should I say holiday by debating whether or not we should say Merry Christmas. Um, 
So as always, I enjoy the questions. Uh, and I'm grateful at the end of the year here for the people who have made this thing possible, uh, whether it be at the start of the year with John Seymour, throughout the year with Iggy, at the end of the year, uh, Gangster Pete, God bless you and thank you. Uh, and of course, our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton, who is my agent now that I have switched to him at carltoninsurance.net and 314-961-4800. Um, and man, am I glad I switched to him. Thankful for James Carlton. Uh, I, it's just like, man, the, the James Carlton's attention to detail, this guy's relentless. It's great. And it's, he's not even selling me on anything. He's just making sure that I do what I need to do to make sure I'm covered. Boy, that's nice to have, man, especially with insurance. Cause it's a lot of things that you go, I don't really want to deal with it. And then he's like, Hey Tim, if you could just real quick, I know you're busy, but if you could, and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Good for you for staying on me. 314-961-4800 online at carltoninsurance.net. Can't say enough good things about him. Uh, and then Mike Judy of Mike Judy presents who brings great shows to St. Louis. He's online at Mike Follow him on social media. Uh, Mike Judy presents.com. He was in studio with us, a local guy, independent guy, uh, just a guy that has, has, over the years, really built a name for himself in the market by finding up-and-coming acts and bringing them to St. Louis, and you get a chance to see them in venues that, you know, in six months you would never be able to see them in because they're going to be playing arenas and stadiums. That's what he does. Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com. And, of course, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit uh, or online 24-7 at Landoff.com. Uh, very grateful, though, for the audience, especially, I realize it's kind of like a self-indulgent compliment, but... Uh, so it's not intended to be, but it's just, it's cool to see the thing growing. Um, the, I mean, I guess it's what you always want anytime you're doing something, but it's cool to see that because, you know, whether it be the interviews and the fact that people get into the interviews, which is uh, flattering, um, or the questions from the audience, which honestly, if I didn't get the feedback I'd get, I'd, get, I'd go, guys, I think I think we can pull the plug on the questions from the audience. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself for an hour. I, I don't know who's interested in this, but then people are like, I love questions from the audience. Hey, I have a question. I love that you're talking about the St. Louis issues, uh, that you're as candid as you are with these topics. Okay, then I'll keep doing questions from the audience. And then the Pick 6 podcast, which is the brainchild of, of Gangster Pete, and the fact that what is the weatherman's record now? He only went 3-3 three and three last week. Uh, 57 and 34 against the spread. So 62.6% against the spread. Um, so that's been a cool thing to see that happen, even though the odds of being able to duplicate that going forward are pretty slim, uh, as far as like in future years, but Hey, the weatherman's been on a heater. So hopefully people have been making money from the podcast in addition, but thank you for listening. Love doing it. And, uh, and I truly am grateful. Anytime you have questions or feedback, email me at Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios on the Inside STL Podcast Network.